Welcome to today's episode of the American Lung Association's Tobacco Cessation Podcast. Today I'll be sharing a conversation I had with Julia Doherty from the state of Rhode Island about why a state might be assessing tobacco cessation coverage and health plans and kind of some helpful tips on how an individual or a tobacco control program might go about accessing this coverage and understanding it and using it. During our conversation, Julia and I will refer to a number of resources that will be linked in the show notes. Um, there are a number of resources, both from the North American Quitline Consortium, or NAC, as well as from the American Lung Association. As you're looking to assess coverage in your state, it's important to help identify what the data might be used for and to recognize what data you need and what data might just be fun to have. Often these data are hard to collect, so it's helpful to really limit yourself to really the data you need for whatever you're going to be using it for. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation that I had with Julia. I had a great time talking with her, and I think she's got a lot of helpful tips for people who are looking to start assessing coverage in their state. Julia, can you please introduce yourself and provide a little history on the work that Rhode Island has done to assess tobacco cessation coverage in the state? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Julia Doherty, and I am the Nicotine Substance Use and Addiction Treatment Coordinator with the Rhode Island Department of Health Tobacco Control Program. I've been in this world for just about a year and a half now, um, and as part of my role, I oversee our state quitline contract as well as promoting statewide evidence-based tobacco treatment information and um, promoting systemic changes to increase access to tobacco treatment services in the state. Um, and in terms of the history of assessing tobacco cessation coverage, for a large part of that work, it began under my predecessor um, when the tobacco control program participated in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention 618 initiative. I believe we began that um, in 2017 in our state. And this initiative focused on six high burden health conditions and evidence-based interventions, one of those being tobacco use. And improving coverage of, for services and access to cessation treatment were key interventions related to tobacco use. So via this initiative, um, we received technical assistance from um, the CDC, including peer support and webinars, um, and so our Rhode Island state Medicaid program worked with the Rhode Island Department of Health, as well as our Rhode Island Department of Behavioral Health Care, Developmental Disabilities, and Hospitals. And we started by assessing tobacco cessation coverage and identifying areas for improvement. Uh, we recognized that there was shared priorities in this work, that we could reduce tobacco use, save lives, and reduce overall health care expenditures by improving accessibility to smoking cessation programs. So between 2017 and 2018, this group developed the uh, survey to assess coverage and then worked to put those results into matrices of tobacco cessation benefits covered by commercial plans as well as our Medicaid and uh, Medicaid managed care organization plans. Um, we distribute those matrices to primary care, pediatric, oral health, behavioral health, and other relevant specialty providers to educate about uh, cessation benefits. So these matrices cover the coverage for the seven FDA or Food and Drug Administration approved cessation medications, 
as well as um, counseling for um, the two CPT codes for intermediate and intensive counseling. And for both, we look at the length of treatment, um, any, any prior authorization or step therapy needed, and if there's co-pays. Um, so we like to assess anything that could be a barrier to treatment. The survey covers a bit more um, that we have in the public matrices. So we um, assess if they promote our state quit line or if they utilize a different um, quit line vendor um, and what those services are. And we also gather very general um, aggregate utilization numbers. So the number of beneficiaries report using um, the counseling codes and the number um, that report using NRT. So after the initiative, the group kept meeting um, until um, COVID-19 started in 2020, um, and then the work group was put on pause. And I think, as is the case with many states, after the first few waves of COVID-19 pandemic, there was high turnover kind of in all areas of healthcare and public health, um, including in our tobacco control program and in Medicaid, and for many folks who had participated in the 618 initiative. So we're very much in kind of a rebuilding phase with our partnerships and our work there. Um, but we have been, however, able to maintain the survey responses. Um, and so those get still get updated every year. That's really fascinating and such great work that you're doing. Um, one question I had is, you know, I worked with a number of states who have pursued um, assessing this coverage. And I'm just curious how you've been able to continue to receive responses from health plans. I know that can be tricky for a lot of people in a lot of states. Yeah, absolutely. So we were able to connect this work to the Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner um, Regulation 14 in our state, which is for tobacco cessation treatment coverage. So this regulation set out to improve access to smoking cessation by establishing uniform standards for cessation treatment coverage, redefine tobacco cessation treatments in a consistent way with the most recent clinical practice guidelines sponsored by um, the Department of Health and Human Services, and then kind of improve the transparency of tobacco cessation coverage for violence insured population. And this regulation has been updated a few times since its creation to kind of better align with the clinical practice guidelines and federal recommendations. And we refer to this regulation and all communications that we have um, with insurance about the survey. And written into the regulation after this work was a some guidance about the reporting. So in this regulation, it, it asks that each private carrier that issues um, health insurance contracts, plans, or policies shall report on each year how they're in compliance with the regulation in the previous calendar year. So it kind of allows us to have a standard for reporting that plans kind of expect that they're going to let us know um, on a standard timeline each year how they've been in compliance with the regulation. So it's built into the calendars for reporting. It's standardized timing and expectations. Um, and that's really helped us with consistency, um, even when there is turnover with the health insurance plans or even with the Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner. And then having our contact with the Health Insurance Commissioner has been um, really helpful. And for us, it's specifically someone who oversees um, the behavioral health coverage. Um, so that's been a really good point of contact as far as having a shared um, point of interest in the work. 
Um, and they also really help with finding the right person at the, at the health plans. Um, so it might be someone who oversees um, compliance, for example, but they'll know um, the right person to contact for sending out the survey every year. Um, and that's very helpful to make sure you have the right, the right contact for the health insurance plans. For Medicaid, Rhode Island embraced the provision to expand Medicaid in 2014 under the Affordable Care Act. So um, the tobacco cessation um, benefits are following the federal guidance. And so we still follow up with our Medicaid partners from 618 to ensure the matrices are um, correct and that the coverage is aligning there. You mentioned a little bit ago that you're relatively new to the role that you're in um, in the tobacco control program kind of curious as to what's been helpful in learning about assessing coverage and health plans and then having the data to use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know when you reached out, Anne, I was like, are you sure you want to talk to me? Because there are folks in the field who have decades and decades of experience, and it can be a little intimidating um, jumping in as someone new to the tobacco uh, control field, even though I have experience in public health and other avenues. But um, we discussed that. There are many folks that are new to the tobacco control field, and I think it's helpful to kind of um, talk about what's supportive for new staff. So um, many of the American Lung Association resources have been really instrumental. So the guide to assessing coverage is a really um, very thorough guide to help support, um, as well as your billing guide and the behavioral health addendum. And I think beyond that, the cohort calls and any one-on-one TA have been really supportive because that guide, as I mentioned, is very, very thorough. Um, And then you'll want to go through and kind of think through what's important for your state and what are your specific needs. And that can sometimes feel overwhelming um, or you want, I guess, clarification on your specific scenario. And so the cohort calls with other states who might be in different stages of doing this work um, were really supportive for me. Um, Additionally, the North American Quitline Consortium has been um, a really invaluable resource. So I've joined their public and private partnership work group. So thinking about how we can work um, in public and private partnerships to better access and coverage for tobacco cessation. And they have great information um, on their site also about maximizing cessation benefits. Um, And again, that work group just gives a platform for discussing kind of specific um, lessons learned or barriers that you might be having in your state and working through them um, with with other peers. And also the 618 Initiative website has some good information about um, leveraging work with Medicaid and just some of the the shared priorities that might come up in this work when we're talking about both improving access to health care as well as the long-term kind of cost savings and benefits to doing this work. That's awesome. And I'm happy to link to the resources that the Lung Association has as well as um, the North American Quitline Consortium resources. Um, and, you know, always I know the, my colleagues at NAC as well as here at the Lung Association are happy to provide that one-on-one technical assistance to anybody who's interested. So I'm curious, kind of, Julia, once you have this data, kind of why is it helpful? Why? How are you guys using it in um, Rhode Island? Yeah, there are so many ways that, um, that we use the data. Um, it's very helpful in identifying any gaps in coverage. And also a main priority for the Rhode Island Department of Health is ensuring equity. So 
addressing the social and environmental determinants of health, eliminating disparities of health, and promoting health equity, and ensuring access to quality health services, especially for populations that experience health inequities. So, so looking at the coverage data is especially helpful for looking at equitable coverage and, um, and then thinking about access to services, um, as that's a critical piece in achieving these priorities, especially as we know that there are large disparities that exist when we look at everything from smoking prevalence to access to care to burden of tobacco-related disease. So, for example, it's well documented that populations of lower socioeconomic status are disproportionately impacted by tobacco. So it's even more critical that our Medicaid plans, which cover individuals with lower SES status, offer comprehensive tobacco cessation benefits. And then we use this information to build awareness of the tobacco cessation benefits as they are. So educating both healthcare providers and consumers. So after these uh, matrices were created, we did do um, a big academic detailing push to help um, educate providers both on kind of best practices for treatment as well as what um, insurance coverage was providing these matrices and all of the materials. There's also important in educating pharmacists. So when we think about um, if there's zero copays for our nicotine replacement therapy, ensuring that's actually what's happening um, at the point of service with pharmacists um, and that they're aware um, that that has a no copay if there is a um, a prescription associated with that NRT. Um, so that that's important. So I mentioned that we do very, very low level, um, kind of basic um, aggregate utilization rates within our coverage survey. Um, and something that we are going to start doing more of in the coming year is looking at claims data for utilization. So um, we're excited to see kind of if and how utilization rates are correlating to reporting reported coverage and then how we can better promote utilization of the existing um, benefits. Thank you. That's so important and especially making the connection to make sure that um, patients are actually getting their treatment and medications without cost sharing. So I think that following up with the pharmacist is really a key step. So just kind of moving on, just curious if you've got any plans to update the assessment and the assessment data in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So this year we were currently undergoing a few updates. So we added additional counseling codes. So I mentioned before we were looking at those two um, CPT codes for um, intermediate and intensive counseling, but um, we used that uh, behavioral health billing addendum from the American Lung Association to um, add the psychotherapy codes that may be used for tobacco. So to get an idea if those are being, if those are actually being covered for tobacco counseling. Um, and that's part of our effort to better integrate um, tobacco dependence treatment with um, behavioral health services. We're also adding questions about alternative payment systems and provider incentives um, as that's you know, where our healthcare um, system is trending to, so to better capture um, those systems rather than just um, fee-for-service um, coverage. And then we're adding questions about the types of providers that are able to be reimbursed for services, um, as this has been a major area of focus to kind of better understand who's being reimbursed. Um, and we'd like to, in the future, also better understand um, 
the levels of reimbursement to ensure that there's parity um, and how this type of counseling is being reimbursed. Um, we've also shortened some sections that were not changed um, over a long period of time or were not being frequently reported um, or compressed some areas so that they could just confirm, yes, this has stayed the same uh, rather than um, entering more data to make it a little more user-friendly. Um, and previously, we did say that they could report on self-insured plans, but it was not required. Um, and because it was not required, we didn't get any um, reporting on that. And so and it did just cause some confusion. So we did remove that kind of caveat. So we are not collecting for self-insured plans, which I know is a common challenge across states, but it's something um, that we'd like to look into better ways to do that in the future. Um, and we did give feedback this year that it was a better experience. Um, so that's always good to hear um, that the changes we're making are um, improving user friendliness as well as um, increasing um, the usefulness of data for us. Um, and we're also updating the Medicaid survey this year to be more specific to Medicaid managed care plans um, to get a little more specificity there. And then um, we are trying to, as I mentioned kind of in the last question, do a review of claims data to better follow trends and utilization of benefits. Um, and that's something that we're really um, excited to see. I know there's limitations there, but um, that'll be a yearly report that we'll be able to start running. Um, and then in the future, I think we're hoping to um, think about how to look more into um, the alignment of tobacco cessation with other health plan priorities. So adding um, questions around specific programming to address populations that are disproportionately impacted by tobacco use. That's great. And, you know, I'm so excited and to see where, you know, your assessment goes. I think there's so many great opportunities and you've definitely identified a bunch of them. Um, so my next question is kind of what advice do you have for other states that are looking to assess tobacco cessation coverage? Um, and any advice specific to any new staff um, or staff that are newer to their positions in doing this work? Absolutely. So I know that this is something um, that we talk about a lot in general with data, but really understanding why you need the data and how you're going to use it. Um, it's very challenging, I think, um, when we look at all of the questions that we could ask, not to want to put them all in there because, you know, there is some benefit to knowing the answer to all of the questions. But I think really knowing how you're going to use it um, and making the case for the importance of that um, is important before you put together and send out the survey. Um, I think doing um, doing your homework uh, for new staff, just a lot of um, research um, and peer sharing and understanding um, what um, the system looks like for health insurance in your state. So um, are you a Medicaid expansion state? What does your... Um, state um, healthcare marketplace look like, um, kind of what are the big healthcare health insurance plans that you might be working with. Um, so just getting an idea of the landscape in your state. So what already exists about coverage in your state so you can kind of get a good um, foundation for what additional information you may need. So Kaiser Family Foundation has some information about um, coverage in states as well as um, 
the ALA. So just looking at um, how your state compares and kind of areas that you might want to dig into. Um, and then finding a partner or a connection at your Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner and at Medicaid. Um, like I said earlier, OHIC is going to know best um, who the contact should be for a survey looking at coverage. Um, and data can often be an area of shared interest, so just finding shared um, interest points and priorities um, and get an understanding of their specific needs and interests as well um, to start off. Um, and then lastly, when you're looking at building partnerships, thinking about um, timing and, and how to be a good partner. So are there timings in the insurance here that you need to be aware of? Because if you ask for reporting then, it's going to be especially burdensome um, and being realistic about how often you need information. Um, and also, what are your state-specific leverage points? So is there anything that's happening in your state currently um, that you can use as a leverage point to um, build partnerships? That's such a great point um, to really be a good partner, um, recognizing the need for partnership in all of this work. And so just curious if there's anything else you want to share with, you know, your fellow tobacco control program colleagues across the country. Yeah, I think I mentioned in the last um, response, understanding your specific state structure and opportunities in your state are key. Um, and I know Rhode Island is a, is a small state, but I think all states can sometimes struggle with, even in our, just our departments of health, um, siloing our programs and not thinking about interconnectedness. So um, we developed in Rhode Island um, a Medicaid alignment work group, and this is led by our chief of healthcare equity within our health equity institute. So this was seen when I was talking previously about some of those um, equity priorities um, as a key part of um, ensuring equity um, and equitable access to healthcare. Um, and a huge benefit of this work group is aligning our work across the Department of Health. So, so it helps build staff capacity. So for new staff or staff that are just getting into thinking about working with um, Medicaid, it was really helpful to understand um, the processes, the timeframes, the avenues for partnership, um, and that was really important. It also helped us think about shared processes where possible, shared lessons learned, avoiding conflicts or duplications in work. Um, also had a meeting together to review kind of Medicaid informatics and how that works in our state and allowed us to help track partnerships, proposals, and feedback and progress. And so that's just something, even if you don't have a specific Medicaid alignment work group, to think about who else in your Department of Health may be doing work with either Medicaid or even looking at coverage um, with your private health plans. Um, and is there anything that you can share um, between each other um, to help align or leverage your work, um, or just to learn more and building staff capacity, especially for new staff. Great. Thank you. This has been such a wonderful conversation, and I'm sure very helpful to many people who are listening in. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it was really fun talking to you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Julia. I know I sure did. Here are a few things I took away from that conversation. First, 
it's helpful to have a contact within the health insurance department. That person can help navigate key people to talk to within health plans, as well as understanding the landscape in your state. Second, it's really important to use other states as a resource, whether that be through um, cohort calls or other learning opportunities. It's important to connect with other states and learn what's worked and what hasn't. It's also important to educate pharmacists so that they understand what the policies are around tobacco cessation treatment, recognizing that patients shouldn't be charged any copays when um, picking up their medications. And lastly, it's important to do your homework, to understand what this healthcare system looks like in your state and what the best way to collect data in your state is. Thank you so much for joining me and Julia for today's episode of the Tobacco Cessation Podcast. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you.